Good morning. Welcome to All Souls. My name's Audrey Allen, and today I'm a fairy princess. I'm also one of the co-chairs of religious education, along with Cherry Groves and Sowie. And I've been a member of this church for like two-ish years. As a Unitarian Universalist church, we welcome everyone to this service who cares to worship with us, whatever your age, ability, origin, gender, race, identity, orientation, or background. Here we have found the diversity of beliefs and opinion add depth to the experience of the community. In this community, we have found that we need not think alike to love alike. We are united, therefore, not by creed, but by a covenant to support each other on the spiritual journey and to work together for a better world. If you're new to our church and to Unitarian Universalism, you may not realize that our faith has a rich history that's woven throughout a tapestry of world history, and especially through the history of this country. This morning's service, we will feature a couple of our religious education classes and some of the things they've been learning about Unitarian Universalist history and heritage. Our religious education year is divided into five thematic units, or pillars, and we've just finished the first pillar on Unitarian Universalist identity. In the second through fifth grade class, we built a time machine and traveled through history, learning about Unitarians and Universalists who've stood for freedom and against injustice throughout the ages. Last week, we had a scavenger hunt, and we had to find the answers about our faith and about our own church. We didn't want to leave you all out. So you're going to find a shorter version of the scavenger hunt in your order of service. Now you're going to have to pay attention, because the answers are going to be throughout the next hour. If you don't know them, look and listen carefully. If you're visiting for the first time, I've just stressed you out with a test. Yay! We've asked you to fill out one of the blue visitor cards in the pew pocket in front of you. If you'd like to know a little bit more about our church and the Unitarian Universalist movement, you can request a call from our minister, Reverend Barbara Gerald, when she returns from out of town, or from our Director of Lifespan Religious Education, DLRE, Susan Caldwell. We also have a monthly newscomer information sessions after the service. The next one's not until November 27th. But you're also invited to join the new UU class on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. This Tuesday will be the fourth of six sessions, but classes stand well on their own, and you're more than welcome to join the class now and then catch up with the full series the next time it's offered. Susan would now like to give you a message from Barbara. Good morning. Um, our minister, Barbara Gerald, wanted very much to be with us today, and we wanted her here very much because she was going to help us a lot with music, but, but, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do well. Um, but she goes every year to Bogalusa with her mother to fix up a, um, a family home that they have down there, and this time, unfortunately, I think it's the first time they've ever encountered anything like this. They had extensive vandalism. I mean, like the electrical system was torn apart and copper was stolen out of stuff and just lots and lots of damage and lots and lots of things to do, insurance, all of repair, all of it that they're going through. So she will not be with us this morning. She did want me to ask the choir if you guys would come to rehearsal tonight. Um, she does want to go ahead and have rehearsal tonight because she's going to miss a couple over the next week or so. Thank you. Visitors, please consider yourself invited to all our activities and events, which are listed in the insert of your order of service. One especially big event is the silent auction coming up Saturday, November 19th. You will find... 
these very awesome flyers in the foyer. I'd like everybody to pick one of these up or like eight of these up and like distribute them everywhere to make sure we have a really popular silent auction this year. It's going to be November 19th. It's from 6.30 to 9.30 at Cohabitat. It's going to be catered by Stone's Throw Cafe, which is super delicious. And the music's going to be by Lip Service Trio and Twain Darkly. And there's a secret hidden surprise that you'll all find out when you come. Another big event is our trunk or treat celebration, hence the wings, today after church. We'll have a potluck lunch in the social hall right after the service. Then we'll give our members a few minutes to set up their trunks out in the parking lot, and the children will have an opportunity to trick or treat from car to car. And if you haven't brought food or a costume, and you haven't decorated your car, we still invite you to stay, and you could always help me out with the games afterwards. As we prepare to enter the spirit of worship, please remember to turn off or silence your electronic devices. Thank you very much, and again, welcome. It is the time of the turning of the year, Samhain in the Celtic tradition, the time of year when the veil between the living and the dead is said to be the thinnest. Christians adapted and embraced the holiday as All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, not an evil time at all, but a time to come to terms with the fact that all that lives will die, and even to dance and play with the idea of death, that we might live the lives we have to the very fullest. In many traditions, it is a time to honor the dead, to pay tribute to those who have come before. It is fitting that in a church named All Souls, we pause on the eve of the eve of the Feast of All Souls to remember those souls who came before us, those heroes of our Unitarian Universalist and Unitarian Universalist traditions who have come before us and have forged this path, sometimes in fire, sometimes in blood, always in faith. Today, we honor them. Our chalice lighters this morning are Radra, J.L., Zadie, and Halen Hall, and we'll also have the pre-K and K-1 class come up to lead us in the chalice lighting, which is printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the sacred. Thus do we covenant with each other. Um, Our opening hymn is on page three of the Pillar Songbook, which should be in a blue folder in the pocket of the pew in front of you. So we talk about uni, meaning one, as Unitarians in early America believed that God was one. They read their Bibles and they got out of that that God was one and not three. Not a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but, but one. And Universalists believed that Everyone comes into this world so loved by a loving God that God would never put God's own children into a fire. So we talk about how we are all one. So Unitarian Universalists. I have a story for you. 
You see that chalice? It looks innocent enough, doesn't it? You never know that at one time it led a life of crime. But for a very, very, very good reason. The year is 1941, and the setting is Lisbon, Portugal. This is a crowded little chaotic port city just west of Spain on the tiny Iberian Peninsula, and people are packed in there. Everybody that's escaped from countries in Europe that have been under control of the Germans, and they're waiting there to go somewhere else to get out. So you have to picture that in this room where we are right now, there's not only us, there's all of our relatives, maybe all of our friends, maybe all of our neighbors, and we're all packed in here, and we can't go anywhere else. We can't go down the hall to get a snack. We can't go run outside on the playground. We are living and eating and sleeping in this little room. And that's kind of how crowded Lisbon was at that time. And in this crowded, chaotic city was a cramped, stuffy little office of the Unitarian Service Committee. And there, a man named Waitstill Sharp is trying to help as many people get out as he can. He's been working with refugees. And he has a man there with him named Hans Deutsch. Now, Hans Deutsch is a very talented artist. He's from Austria, and he escaped Austria. He went to France, and then France was occupied by the Germans, and he had to get out of France. He was drawing cartoons that made fun of Hitler, that made fun of the, the head guy of Germany that was, that was taking over all these countries. And this was not a safe thing to do. So this cartoonist had to escape, and he ends up in Lisbon working for the Unitarian Service Committee. And they are trying to figure out how to get these people out, and they're trying to make false identity papers for them. Now, Hans Deutsch has used his artistic talent. He's a, he's a great forger, or should I say he a creative, I, I, creative identity uh, readjustment. He's really good at this. But they're worried. They're trying to figure out a way because they're looking at their papers compared to the real papers and they're realizing that they just don't look quite official enough. Now they have in their favor that there's a big language barrier because there's so many languages being spoken in Lisbon right now. And half the time when the police are looking at your papers, they can't read what they say. But they're looking for the way they look. They're looking for something that looks, quote, official. So they, Hans Deutsch, they'd been using this, this symbol of the chalice inside of one circle, kind of on their trucks and things for the service committee so that people would know who they were when they came to, to bring food or to bring blankets or to offer help. So they decide, let's try and design a seal with this chalice, with this symbol put it on these fake passports and hopefully we get some people out of here because the Portuguese are starting to send them back to the countries where they came from and what's going to happen to them if they have to go back there? They're going to die. Yeah, they're going to be killed. So they make these fake passports and there's a very prominent Jewish scientist who has escaped from Germany. We need not know this man's name. It would be too dangerous for all of us. 
but they've made a passport for him and he's ready to go to the ship and he will go eventually to the United States but they've discovered something the visa that he has is going to expire before he gets to the United States that's like a little mark on their passport that tells how long it's going to last it's going to expire they don't think he'll have a problem at the other end in America but the Portuguese may say "Uh uh-uh They've been sending people back if their visas are going to expire. They just haven't been dealing with that. They can read numbers, and when they see that, you're out of there. So they have this plan to go to the ship and to flash the papers really quickly, and there's a bunch of people in line, and they're hoping that the chaos and the the confusion will be enough to get this man through so that he can get safely on the boat and get to America. So they're just about there. I mean, they're going through the checkpoint with the policeman, and the policeman is looking at the papers. And all of a sudden, up on the dock, this French couple starts screaming. They're saying, that man's papers are no good, and he is taking our place on that ship. We belong on that ship. And so Mr. Sharp is there with the scientist, and he thinks quickly, and so he goes over And he's smiling at these people, and he's greeting them warmly, and he's telling them, you know, don't worry, we can help you. We'll help you get new papers. And all of a sudden, the woman starts to cry. And she realizes he's holding these papers that have these chalice symbols on them. And she says, when we were in France, the Unitarian Service Committee helped us. They brought us food, they brought us provisions, and eventually they helped us get out. We are so grateful. And so he had a nice conversation with these people. He told them eventually he did help them. Meanwhile, the scientist got on the boat with the chalice on his papers and escaped. So a life of crime, yes, but for a very, very good reason. Thanks. Our offertory reading is number 569. It's a responsive reading by Olympia Brown. As we prepare to offer our gifts this morning, please join me with, in this responsive reading. Olympia, Reverend Olympia Brown was the first fully ordained woman minister. She was a noted preacher, a feminist, when that was a new word, and an anti-slavery activist. She was ordained in the Universalist tradition in 1863. Stand by this faith. Work for it and sacrifice for it. There is nothing in all the world so important as to be loyal to this faith, which has placed before us the loftiest ideal, which has comforted us in sorrow, strengthened us for noble duty, and made the work beautiful. Do not demand immediate results, but realize that we are worthy to be entrusted with this great message that you are strong enough to work for a great true principle 
without counting the cost. Go on finding the new applications of these truths and new enjoyments in their contemplation, always trusting in the one God which lives and lives. We will now receive your gifts. In the tradition of Wicca, an earth-based tradition that's embraced by our sixth source, there's a beautiful ritual observed at this time of year called a silent supper. I've been fortunate enough to have been part of these in the past. It's a meal served and eaten in community and entirely in silence. The idea is to listen for the voices of the ancestors and possibly to receive messages from the dead. You may take from that what you will. Some believe they're truly reaching across the veil, while others want the stillness and the time to honor the spirit of lost loved ones that live inside them. In this time of prayer and silence, listen for the voices that have sustained you. Listen for the voices that have built and sustained our faith. Will you join me in the spirit of prayer? We call on the God of our many understandings. We call on the source and spirit of all life. We call on the highest, best part of ourselves. Help us to remember that we hold in our hearts and in our hands a faith that truly has the power to save. When we need to find courage, remind us of the strong and powerful shoulders on which we stand. Shoulders sturdy enough to support us on the climb to a better world. We are afraid sometimes to speak up for our faith, but help us to remember those who faced far greater dangers. Keep in our hearts a calm at the center, a quiet chalice fire that burns in us, steady and strong. Give us eyes to see the task before us and ears to hear the voices of those who have gone before Remind us always, let us hear them tell us that what they dreamed is truly ours to do. We hold these thoughts, we listen for their voices as we enter the silence.
It's fitting that we choose this time of year to honor the dear departed of our own tradition. When the veil is thinnest, we have an opportunity to stop and take a look at lives of faith that have helped to shape our own. The bedrock theology that God is one and that all are saved has been proclaimed down through the ages by courageous men and women who have risked or even lost their lives to speak that truth. And in the fairly comfortable lives that we live now, we can forget what a radical message it really was and is. And yet it is those saving messages that have given Unitarians and Universalists the strength of their convictions to stand at the forefront of just about every movement for social justice. So many spoke against slavery. Julia Ward Howe, who also originated Mother's Day as a Mother's Day for Peace, Susan B. Anthony, better known for her work on women's rights, but she was also quite active in the fight against slavery and in other efforts towards social reform. And although Dr. Martin Luther King is credited with the quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, he did indeed say that. But as it happens, he was quoting the Unitarian minister, Theodore Parker, who said way back in 1853, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The ark is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends toward justice. And Theodore Parker, who had runaway slaves in his church, even though he was breaking a federal law, was talking about the issue of slavery. Louisa May Alcott, better known as the author of Little Woman, Little Women, was also a strong supporter of the anti-slavery movement, as was her father, Bronson Alcott. If you've read the book or if you've seen the movie, Mr. March and Marmy were modeled after Louisa's parents, Bronson and Abigail, that strange religion that won the disapproval of Aunt May and most of the neighbors was Unitarianism. Ours is a faith that is comfortable with science and reason. The scientist who discovered oxygen, Joseph Priestley, was also a Unitarian minister. He fled from England to America after his church in London was burned to the ground by an angry mob. Not everyone wanted to hear that message. The beloved children's author, Beatrix Potter, who wrote the Peter Rabbit books, was a natural scientist with a love of the English countryside. And ours is the faith that sent the largest percentage of ministers to the South to march with Dr. Martin Luther King, among them the Unitarian Universalist minister, James Reeb who answered Dr. King's call to Selma, Alabama in 1965 and paid the ultimate price when he was beaten to death by angry white men. Though we may not face imminent death for our beliefs, living in this part of the country is still not without its troubles. 
The other night at the new UU class, when Audrey came to speak about her involvement with religious education, she told a story um, of something that happened in her class when they were doing an anti-bullying piece last spring. We got some wonderful materials from the Southern Poverty Law Center on um, how to deal with and, and deflect and maybe even prevent or stop bullying. And apparently a child in this class was being bullied in school for attending this church, even now, 2000, 2010 it was. Um, but from the class, she gained strategies for dealing with the bullying and support from friends to go back out and face the bully calmly. So even though the church may have been a big part of the reason for the bullying, the church was also the place where this child learned to deflect it. So we're doing important work. Today we are doing important work on the issues of immigration, on the issues of marriage equality. We're out there. We're standing on the side of love. Like last week, all of us in our yellow shirts at the suicide prevention walk on behalf of our wonderful gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender youth. We are out there doing important work on the shoulders of people who have done that for years and years and years. We'll now have our second through fifth grade class come up and maybe help grade you on your scavenger hunt. How have you been doing? Who's got them all? All but number seven. I have to pull mine out now and see what. Oh, I think I gave mine to Audrey. Let's see. Name three Unitarians or Universalists who worked against slavery. Julia Ward Howe, Linda Maria Francis Child, Susan B. Anthony, Fanny Kemble, Francis Dana Gage, Louisa May Alcott, um, Eliza Lee Calbot Fallen, Theodore Parker, William Ellery Channing, Mary Rice Livermore, Clara Barton. I also I uh, put Olivia Olympia Brown because you did say she was active in slavery. That's awesome. You're awesome. You want to read the next one? No. Do you want Eleanor to do all of them? Okay. You're gonna do all of them. Just complete these two sentences with the words. Unitarians or Universalists describing these two groups in early America. Unitarians believe that God is one, not three, and Jesus was wholly human. Universalists believe that no loving God would ever send God's own children to burn in a fire so no one would go to hell after death. Who was James Reeb? James Reeb was a Unitarian Universalist minister from Boston, Massachusetts, who answered Dr. M Martin Luther King's call to march with him for civil rights for American African Americans in Selma, Alabama, in 1965. Who was the first ordained woman minister? Yeah, Olympia Brown. Was she Unitarian or Universalist? 
she was a universalist. In counting repeated rejections and discrimination, she graduated from the theological school at St. Lawrence University and after a number of strides, managed to convince the Universalist Council she was fully qualified to be ordinated. ordained. That's good. Name two famous children's authors who were Unitarian. Louisa May Alcott, the author of Lim Little Women, which was based on her own family. The unpopular region, impoused by Mr. March, was based on her father Bronson Alcott's Unitarianism. Beatrix Potter, the author of Peter Rabbit Stories, also a natural scientist and conservatist. Who is the minister of this church? <laughs> Who is the D-L-R-E? What is a D-L-R-E anyway? What is a D-L-R-E anyway? Yeah. That's a lot of words there. We're just going to assume you said the right thing. <laughs> Director of Lifespan Religious Education. Who is the president of the board? Clay Walker. What is the congregational policy? Polity. Our form of church governance, which means that each individual congregation governs itself, manages its, its own business, and makes its own rules. The Unitarian Universalist Association serves a resource rather than ruling as a central authority. We govern ourselves by making a covenant with each other. Eight. The flaming chalice was an originally was originally the symbol of what organization? The Unitarian Service Committee. Who designed it? The official chalice with the circle was designed by a cartoonist named Hans Dutch, a man who wanted by the third rich for drawing cartoons, making fun of Hitler. Why? Although the challenge was already used as the unofficial symbol of the Unitarian Service Committee, Ditch and the head of the USC office in Lisbon, Watshill Sharp, started using the chalice inside the circle as an official-looking symbol on fake passports for refugees who need to get out of Europe. 9. Who discovered oxygen? Joseph Priestley, 1733-1804. Why would this be important to a religious education class in a Unitarian Universalist church? We like breathing, smiley face. <laughs> but also, Presley was an English Unitarian minister. He fled to America after his church in London was burned by an angry mob. How'd y'all do? Because of those who came before, we are. In spite of their failings, we believe. Because of and in spite of the horizons of their vision, we too dream. So just as they have done, let us go, remembering to praise, to live in the moment, to love mightily, to bow to the mystery. Stay in peace, please, and join us for our, for our trunk or treat celebration. Thank you.